welcome back to 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and we are just one day away from San Francisco 49ers training camp, kicking off tomorrow, that being Tuesday, July 27th, and the first open practice to the public on Wednesday, July 28th. It's It feels great to be back for season three of the podcast. There's so much to talk about. It's been a long and grueling offseason. This offseason felt much longer than last offseason wondering who the quarterback was. Now it's, well, we know who the quarterback is, but there's still a lingering cloud over the head of 49ers training camp and the 49ers talking points. That is Jimmy Garoppolo. But with that said, with training camp coming up, we're going to preview training camp by diving into into the most intriguing positional battles, some sleepers that could surprise you, the expectations for Trey Lance going into his second season with the 49ers and his first official season as the starting quarterback. But, but first, we must start off with arguably, I don't want to say the biggest point of contention, but it's one of the biggest points of contention amongst Niner fans, whether it's Debo Samuel or it's our first topic of season three, that being Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, I know I've talked in the past about how, you know, gotta be patient, they'll figure this thing out, I trust this front office. Well, for whatever reason, whether it's the shoulder or, or their lack of willingness to trade him for what they were offered, Jimmy Garoppolo's still here. I think everyone as a collective can say uh, they were wrong whether it was they thought he was worth a 7th round pick or was going to get released or was going to be a 1st round pick. Whatever your thought of Jimmy Garoppolo via trade, what was going to happen with him in the future, it was wrong. <laughs> every single podcaster, every single radio host, writer was wrong. The way this thing has gone down has just been, it really it's been mind-blowing. I don't want to call it a debacle because they could still come out somewhat of winners here once he is traded, and this conversation has now steered to, well, what can they get for him? Just trade him, just release him, just get something for him. And first and foremost, I want to say this. The Niners would be dumb to cut Jimmy Garoppolo. No, I'm not saying that because I want him to stay. Just from a logistics standpoint, and NFL Network's Ian Rappaport said this as well, the longer he stays around, now I don't think in that sentence he's referring to week 7, week 8, trade deadline stuff, I think what he's thinking is as long as he can stay around prior to week 1, this benefits San Francisco. The longer he's on this Niners roster, at least during training camp and preseason, means there is a higher chance for another quarterback to get hurt on a different team. There's a chance where a coaching staff and a GM say, hey, we thought we had the guys here, we don't have the guys here. Or a team comes into camp, realizes their team is better than they actually initially thought, and they go, well, now we have, you know, now we need to get that quarterback in here. That could be Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think cutting Garoppolo before week one is off the table, so we have a whole other month to go with this stuff. But let's start with who could be interested in Garoppolo. Uh, last week we got a report that five teams, potentially six, could be in the Jimmy Garoppolo sweepstakes. Now, we'll go through each one of these, talk about the logistics, uh, how it could work, why, why it won't work. So let's start with the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons, from the, from the reports, 
seems like they are the number one contender for Jimmy Garoppolo. They they signed Marcus Mariota in the offseason. They went and drafted Desmond Ritter. But they're a team that's rebuilding. They're moving on from Matt Ryan. Julio Jones has been gone for about two years now. This is a team in full rebuild. Uh, this is a team that also still has some pieces that can compete, not for a playoff spot, but still play spoiler. Kyle Pitts is there. Drake London is now there. The building of that defense. Michael Walker is there on defense. There's some really good pieces there that if they said, hey, we're young enough, we can surprise a team like the Saints, like the Buccaneers, and maybe play spoiler. Win six games this season, win seven games this season, but they could say, we're not going to do that with Mariota. Let's trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. Now you can say, why would you trade for Jimmy Garoppolo at this point in the year once you've already made your moves? Well, apparently, one of the biggest connecting points is Ryan Pace. Now, Ryan Pace used to be the general manager with the Titans, came over to kind of help lead this new regime in Atlanta. Apparently, he's been in the front office saying, we need to get Garoppolo, this is a guy I like, he can he can you know, benefit our roster here. But I think if you're Atlanta, and this will kind of get us into the Dan Cilio trade offer, and let's be honest here, be very clear, uh, Dan Cilio has been the most incorrect person in the NFL media room the last like three off seasons. I, I can't tell you how many trade offers he's put out there that you're just like, dude, what? Like, this couldn't be further from the truth. And so we're sitting here again looking at this and another Dan Cilio report saying that the Falcons offered the Niners a second round pick and a fifth round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, when I initially saw that, I said, well, I mean, it's Dan Cilio. But for the sake of argument, let's say that the report is true. Let's say Dan Cilio is correct. If you're the Niners and you do not take this, and someone's willing to give you a second and a fifth round pick, presumably a second round pick this coming draft in 2023-2024, and a fifth round pick next year, uh, I think you take that. Like, that's that's a given. In this case, you're getting more back for Garoppolo than you initially traded for him in 2017. You take that. Now, for the sake of the other argument, let's say it's incorrect. And Cam Marino, the reporter who was the one that listed the Falcons, the Texans, the Lions, Dolphins, and Seahawks as at least teams that have somewhat of an interest in trading for Garoppolo, or at least somewhat of interest in acquiring the quarterback, whether via free agency, after he's you know, possibly released, or via trade, he came on 95-7 the game, and he said that a second and fifth round pick don't sound right. If I'm the Falcons, I would assume that they're willing to give up maybe a day three pick. Well, that's rounds four through seven. If I'm San Francisco, at this point in the offseason... At this point, you're gearing up for year two of Trey Lance, his first official season as a starter. You want to take out the potential distraction that is Jimmy Garoppolo, albeit I think Garoppolo would not cause a distraction, at least by his own doing. It could cause a distraction with guys like Kittle and Debo who are like, well, that guy's still on the roster, and let's say hypothetically that Lance struggles initially in training camp, they could say, well, hey, we still got Jimmy. <laughs> like, call that guy and bring him back in here. If San Francisco wants to avoid that conversation, that type of distraction, I believe that 
this would be the best potential move. If this is all deed correct, that if the Falcons are offering or are at least discussing a day three pick, if it's a fourth round pick, take it. If it's a fifth round pick, take it. Now, obviously, negotiations happen. If you can free up some money, extend Debo, extend Bosa, and while those contract negotiations may not, you know, may not be affected by the Garoppolo trade or release, it still, you know, allows some, you know, breath of fresh air. You can finally breathe. Garoppolo's gone. Now let's get to Debo. Now let's get to Nick Bosa. So, if the Falcons are offering you a day three pick, I think you have to take it. And the Niners, the Niners may think that Jimmy Garoppolo is worth more than that. I think they do think he's worth more than that. We heard in twenty, I believe twenty twenty, they were offered a first round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo from the Patriots. They said no. Now at that time, I understand that he's your quarterback. Trey Lance doesn't exist yet. Well, now we're in twenty twenty two. You see what Garoppolo can do, albeit the injury has, you know, hindered him somewhat. Obviously, last year the shoulder and the thumb did affect him in a, you know, in a multitude of ways. But if you're a team like Atlanta that says, you know, we may not be a great team, we can play spoiler, like you're essentially putting Garoppolo in the same situation he was with San Francisco in 2017 that he would be with Atlanta in 2022. Young tight end, maybe a young defense that needs some direction, and an offense that's kind of just sitting there, you know, running in circles. Well, you go there and you give Garoppolo a person who has shown in the past that he can revitalize a franchise, that he can bring winning culture to a young team, steer them in the right direction, lead them, you know, kind of be their shepherd to a certain point, lead them in the right direction, and you already have your young quarterback waiting in the wings to take over. Now, I don't know if Garoppolo wants to do that, but unfortunately, he doesn't have much of a say, despite John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan saying, we want to do what's best for Garoppolo. So if I'm San Francisco, and they give me a fourth-round pick, and maybe you can work in a seventh here or there, you take it. Again, it's way up the shoulders, you can finally breathe, all that money to maneuver. If you want to make a trade, you want to re-sign guys, you want to go into this year's season with, you know, $20 million in cap space, which I believe will be the most in the NFL besides the Cleveland Browns, that's pretty good, and you're setting yourself up, if you don't spend much of it, for rollover cap once, that next year's salary cap increases by like $30 million. Imagine going into next year, assuming Trey Lance is who we think he will be, he might struggle, but assuming he will show signs of franchise quarterback play... Imagine going into next offseason with $50 million somewhere around there in cap space to move around with while already having Bosa and Debo and Kittle and Warner and Trent Williams locked up. That's a fun team. You can go out and buy another corner, buy a safety, extend certain guys. That's a fun team. and You can easily capitalize on the youthfulness and the lower salary cap that is of Trey Lance. But let's go away. From the Falcons here. Let's say they're the number one pick. That's the team we can say is a number one potential suitor for Garoppolo. Let's dive into the rest of these teams. And when you look at the rest of the teams here, you have to look at it from a a variety of angles, right? One is, right now, can they afford to carry Jimmy Garoppolo's contract? Well, the answer for all these teams are no. Seattle has $16 million in cap space. 
they are the number one contender to not trade for Garoppolo. They would like to sign him if he is released. The Dolphins already have Tua. They have Teddy Bridgewater. They have $16 million in salary cap. That being said, the Dolphins seem like a team where unless Tua gets hurt, and let's say Tua gets hurt in training camp preseason, Mike McDaniels is sitting there like, look, Bridgewater ain't cutting it. This team is a playoff team, but the quarterback just happens to be hurt. It's my first year. I will trade San Francisco a fourth-round pick, a fifth-round pick, whatever it may be, maybe a third-round pick if he gets desperate for Jimmy Garoppolo. That is the only case in which I see Miami actually being a player here, but it would be Tua has to fail, whether it's by injury or play on the field, for McDaniel to even think about trading for Garoppolo. We already talked about Atlanta, $11.5 million in cap space. There will have to be some maneuvering. I think that will likely be with the you know the renegotiation of Garoppolo's contract. If I'm Atlanta, I'm going to extend Garoppolo for another year, try to divide that cap hit up, and figure things out. I think that is the best fit for Garoppolo, that being Atlanta. The other ones, the Lions also have interest. This one is tricky, though, because Detroit already has Jared Goff. And I think if you asked GMs, people in the media, players, they would say Garoppolo is better than Jared Goff. But it already seems like the Lions, when they acquired Goff, were saying, you're going to be our bridge guy. You know, we don't have to get a quarterback this year or even last year's draft. You know, we can build the team around you, then get those weapons established, then get our guy, you know? So it kind of feels like the Lions are kind of just trying to feel things out of like, we, we are in no way committed to Jared Goff, but, you know, we're not necessarily like, you know, full send on the Garoppolo market. We're just putting feelers out and seeing if it's a potential, you know, if it could happen. The other one being Houston Texans. Look, the Texans like Davis Mills. I don't know why they keep being brought up. I understand Nick Casario is there. Him and Garoppolo have connections when they were in New England together. But that being said, it, it just seems like this is more so of like, well, Garoppolo's a great guy, good guy. There's a connection there. Well, that that might work. Well, Davis Mills wasn't bad. <laughs> like, that's the thing. And neither was Garoppolo by any means, but had Davis Mills come out and crapped the bed, we're having an entirely different conversation. They want to see if he can actually be the guy first. Now, you could think of what you want of Mills, but inside that organization, they at least have some hope that he can be a Jimmy Garoppolo-esque quarterback. And if he can be, why would you trade for another version of that guy? So they're going to give Mills a chance, and let's also be honest here, uh, they're going to want to keep all the draft capital they possibly can because they're rebuilding. They want to wash their hands clean of Deshaun Watson. They're trying to figure things out internally in Houston. I don't see that being the case. So Atlanta is my number one team. And my number two team, and there really has no been, excuse me, there really has not been any concrete evidence that this team is interested in Jimmy Garoppolo, but the New York Giants are intriguing. And yes, I understand they have Daniel Jones. Albert Breer said they want to give him six to eight weeks. Well, it doesn't take six to eight weeks for a new head coach a general manager, an offensive coordinator to go, you're the guy or you're not the guy. Especially when they have, you know, three years of tape on you. They know. 
And you can say, well, they're implementing a new system. That's true. And that's what preseason's for. That's what one to two to three weeks into the season is for. Now you can say, well, he can get hot later in the year. You don't need three to four weeks to know what this team is going to be. And the Giants, who I think pride themselves on having some already set in stone offensive weapons, Strong Shepard, uh, Kenny Galladay, Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley, while the offensive line is kind of you know in limbo, they might say, well, the NFC East really isn't that great. We don't trust Terod Taylor that much, and Daniel Jones isn't our guy. Let's, I don't want to say make a desperation move, but why don't we move Terod Taylor and maybe a fourth-round pick, or let's move a, you know, a, a third-round pick, whatever it may be, and let's get Garoppolo and try to win the NFC East. They might get desperate. They That is the team I can see them going into camp saying, you know, this team's actually more prepared to win now than we initially thought it was. And Daniel Jones and Trot Taylor, they aren't the guys to lead us there. So if you're asking me, to me, the Falcons make the most sense by a trade. The Giants are that dark horse that could come into camp saying, you know, we we need to win now. Like We could win now and Daniel Jones and Taylor can't lead us to where we, where we want to be. And Ryan Dable was saying, just give me Garoppolo. He can at least run the offense, right? And the... I don't think we'll touch Garoppolo as Miami Dolphins. Like, they are the team that's going to say, we got Tua, we got Bridgewater, we have our, you know, high potential guy, we have our mediocre guy, and we'll ride it out until this thing falls apart. And then next year they'll reevaluate with, with McDaniel making, you know, his second draft with the team. I think the Lions and I think, you know, the Texans are out of it via trade, and I think the Seahawks are just sitting on their hands waiting for Garoppolo to get released, which may or may not happen. So, let's talk about now what I think will happen. I talked about all the scenarios, all the teams that could be potential suitors, who may not be, who might be. Let's talk about what I think is going to happen. I still think San Francisco is going to trade Garoppolo, whether it's to Atlanta or New York. I don't know which team, but I do think they will get something done. I think at one point... Whether it's the Niners regime, Lynch and Shanahan in York, or it's Garoppolo's team and his agent, Don Yee, one of them is going to say, just get me out of here. I don't care who I play for, just get me out of here. Whether you're getting a 5th round pick in return or a 7th round pick, just get me out of here. My money off the books is more valuable than, you know, getting a 1st round pick in return. Like, just get the distraction out of here, be done with this whole conversation the dark cloud looming over at Diners training camp in Santa Clara is gone at the SAP Center. It's gone. Let's move on with our lives. Say goodbye. It was a fun, you know, four years. Let's move on now. But a lot of people on Niners Twitter, and again, I understand it's Twitter, but a lot of them are saying, you gotta hold on to Jimmy, man. You gotta let him come into camp to compete. There is no way. No way. And if this does happen... It is the biggest downvote in confidence for Trey Lance. There is no way Jimmy Garoppolo is going to come into training camp, actually take reps with the first-team offense, the second-team offense, because if that actually happens, if, in this case, Garoppolo, for whatever reason, whether it's for a rehab reason, is even on the field with the team, those murmurs start, right? Those murmurs are, oh, you know, Garoppolo's back, oh, no, you know. I kind of like Jimmy more than Lance. You cannot have that. A room divided cannot conquer, right? It will fall. We know this, right? 
And so the last thing you want is to divide that room. The best thing San Francisco can do is to hold on to Garoppolo as long as it takes, and they may have to lower their asking price. This, I truly believe, while the shoulder did play a part in this, San Francisco was way too stubborn on their asking price. Now they, they could have said, well, look at what Carson Wentz got. Look at what Deshaun Watson got. And we can have those conversations day in, day out. And, you know, there really isn't a wrong answer to that because the value of a, of a player is based on that regime, that GM, that head coach, that system. Every GM and, and system will have a different value for a player or even a prospect. You know, some guy on your you know, your top 10 of your big board maybe on the bottom 20 of somebody else's. And that's a huge disparity, and that's obviously an example, not a true story, but you get my point. The Giants could value Garoppolo as a you know top 15 quarterback, or the Lions might say, he's Derek Goff 2.0, he's bottom 18. That's just the case. And so I truly believe San Francisco is too stubborn on their asking price. We believe Garoppolo is a top you know 12 quarterback, he's a great guy, look what he's done for us on the field, and all that stuff might be true, but then they're asking for a first-round pick when realistically, maybe a third-round pick made sense. Maybe a fourth and a seventh-round pick truly is his value on the market via trade. And I think they were sitting there saying, we're not moving, we're not budging until we get a first-round pick offered. And teams were like, well, you're going to keep sitting still because we're not going to give that to you. But I do think at the end of the day, this thing figures itself out. I do think Garoppolo is traded, and I do think we go into week one Maybe even sooner, could be mid-August, could be, you know, August 19th, prior to week two of train, uh, week two of preseason against the Vikings, saying, Trey Lance, this is your team, and let Nate Sutfeld and Brock Purdy battle it out for quarterback number three, or number two, excuse me. Like, this is going to be, it's going to work itself out, we're going to be okay, and it's going to be Trey Lance all day, all night, pass or fail, he is the guy coming into this season, into this training camp and is going to be the guy for likely, barring injury, the next two to three years to see what he actually can be on the field. Now that being said, let's talk about Trey Lance. This is, you know, everybody wants to know, is he going to be a Mahomes? Is he going to be a Super Bowl champion year two, technically year one, really? Is he going to be a bust? What is Trey Lance? And before we answer that question, I want to tell you, that you can use promo code 49ERSACCESS, 49ERSACCESS at SeatGeek to save $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek. The season's coming up. You want to save money. Gas prices are in flux. Are they going to be high? They're going to be low. Anytime you can save money to enjoy some football is a good thing. Even a concert, it's an even better thing. <laughs> save money with promo code 49ERSACCESS at SeatGeek.com, $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek. Let's dive back into Trey Lance here for a second, though. One of the biggest conversations regarding Trey Lance this offseason was the arm fatigue thing. There was kind of murmurs, there were rumors, there were whispers of, you know, he may have some arm fatigue. And people were like, what the heck is arm fatigue? Like, what do you mean arm fatigue? He didn't have surgery on his shoulder or his arm, like Garoppolo did. Like, if anybody should have arm fatigue, it's Garoppolo, or guy who a guy who had surgery on his shoulder who's trying to rehab. Well, the arm fatigue conversation be, kind of became its own meme, kind of became its own joke of, 
eh, stupid rumors, someone trying to, you know, discredit Lance as a quarterback. Well, let me break it down like this. Do I believe arm fatigue is real? Yes, I do. As somebody who has had to rehab before his arm, has had to almost have surgery before, had to change the way he throws a ball before in baseball, albeit it's baseball, I get that. Arm fatigue is real. The more you do any motion, baseball, football, whether you're squatting at the gym, you're doing, you know, lunges, you're doing curls, your arms become fatigued. Now, the NFL throwing motion does allow a quarterback, a player, to throw the ball exponentially more. That being said, with the Niners trying to recalibrate and change and alter and, for maybe a lack of better terms, fix Trey Lance's throwing mechanics, arm fatigue does exist. I would like to assume that Trey Lance is working his his butt off, trying to get right for training camp in this upcoming season. And with that, he's been working day in, day out, hundreds of throws every single day, probably thousands every single week. Well, go from February to July, what is that? It's five months, and let's say you're taking a thousand throws a week. Well, at a certain point, you're doing 4,000 throws a day, and you times that by four or five. That's 20,000 throws. Now, they not, that, that may seem a lot for a former player, but 20,000 throws, that's a lot. A couple hundred throws, and that could be on the low number. Who knows? And when you're trying to tweak you know, your leg movement, trying to change your arm, your wrist movement, your wrist rotation, your arm rotation, your shoulder rotation, who knows exactly what they're trying to get rid of all we've heard of, he has a hitch. Well, a hitch is created by many things. It's muscle memory. And when you're trying to re, you know, relearn something, essentially, their arm fatigue exists. And so arm fatigue is a thing. Now, that being said, do I think it's an actual storyline to keep an eye on in training camp? No, I don't. I don't. I really don't believe arm fatigue is going to be like, you know, it's week two and Lance's arm is tired. No. Like, the Niners run a run-first offense. You can think of what you want. Well, Trey Lance is going to open the offense up. And in certain ways, he definitely will. But Shanahan will run to run the ball 30 to 40 times a game. And then take those big shots. Like, just because his quarterback is not Jimmy Garoppolo, who is a middle-of-the-field kind of guy, you know, screens and outs and, and you know, end-arounds, those things will still exist in the offense, and Shanahan's mentality is not going to change. He may go for the home run more, but he's still going to say, this is my offense, we're going to run my offense. Like, we're going to stay within ourselves, we're not going to get too trigger-happy, we're going to run the Shanahan, you know, 40 times on the ground, ground and pound, beat him up, then take a big shot style of offense. So I do think, even if this arm fatigue thing is a conversation, I, I I do think Shanahan will know how to limit it, and I do think we would never hear about it again. Like, Lance will probably take 25 to maybe 30 throws a game. That's nothing. Like, Mahomes has taken 50. <laughs> Brady's taken 50. You know, Aaron Rodgers has taken 50 or 60. Like, like, it's... The whole arm fatigue thing will be a non-story. It may be a first couple of days of training camp. Hey, Trey, how does your arm feel? I'm a little tired, you know, oh, it's fine. And they may laugh and joke about it. The players are already joking about it on social media, so it'll be a non-story. But before we get into what my expectations for Trey Lance are going to be, 
I think the biggest thing, and this kind of ties in to the Garoppolo stuff, but whether Jimmy Garoppolo is on this team come day one of training camp, come week one of the preseason, the most important thing Kyle Shanahan can do, not just for Trey Lance, but for the team, and to even ease this fan base's mindset going into training camp and this next season, he needs to come out and say, Trey Lance is our starting quarterback. That's the best thing and the most important thing he can do. Once he does that, all the conversation dies down, even if Jimmy is still on the roster. It'll make every media pundit go, oh, you know, Trey Lance is the guy now. It'll make the fan base go, well, the Jimmy era is truly over, even if they're still holding on to that belief. They shouldn't be, but even if they are, Kyle Shanahan should come out day one of training camp, day two of training camp, and go, Jimmy Garoppolo is not coming to camp, and Trey Lance is our starting quarterback for the 2022-2023 NFL season. That kills all noise immediately. And what's the one thing the Niners and Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch do not like around their facility unless they create it is noise. You can tell last year, the the two quarterback conversation of uh, will it be Trey, will it be Jimmy, Shanahan hated it. He didn't want to answer questions about it. He at some times kind of, you know, retorted rather irritated at a reporter of like look I'm, I'm done with the conversation Jimmy's a quarterback you know he was tired of answering questions after the Colts game the Jaguars game the Bears game the Rams game the first time he was just done the last thing he wants to deal with again is that conversation he knows who the quarterback is the players know who the quarterback is now Shanahan has to relate that to the media and everything will die down for Lance's sake for Shanahan's sake of not having to answer questions, for the team's sake, even if they're still doubting the young quarterback, and for the fan base's sake, it's the easiest thing he could do. Now, at Shanahan, he likes to play mind tricks of, you know, maybe Jimmy's going to be here still, and that could be for the sake of trade conversations, but other teams aren't dumb. Like, if they're publicly, which they already have been for months, but if they publicly recently have told Jimmy Garoppolo and his agent, you can seek a trade. Like, this thing's done, it's over with, now come out day one and say Trey Lance is a starting quarterback. It just makes too much sense to do, and it will just make this transition 100% easier. That being said, the expectations for Trey Lance are just, they're baffling. <laughs> like, again, I love Trey Lance, I wanted to draft this kid. I want to see what he can become. I'll be patient with him. But there, and, and I get it, it's Twitter, but that's where we can connect with the fan base the most of, unless you're at a, you know an event, at training camp, at a game. Like, Twitter is the easiest place to kind of, you know, get a bird's eye view of what the fan base likes, right? Or at least is thinking. And there are people that, one, believe Trey Lance shouldn't have been drafted, that think that, you know, Brock Purdy's better quarterback than Trey Lance. And there are other people who think that Trey Lance is going to be, you know, a 2022-23 Super Bowl champion, going to be an MVP dark horse. And then there's a big fat slap in the middle that's like, can we just see the kid play? Like, and that's where I sit. Like, I have high hopes for Lance, but I want to see the kid play more than 10 quarters to get an idea of what he's going to be. I told you last year, I'll give him three seasons. 
And then we'll see about that you know, that fifth year option. I'll give him three seasons to see what he can be. If he blows up and is awesome and tears it up, hallelujah. And if he stinks, well, then we know what we got to change. Then there's a bunch of questions that are even deeper than is Trey Lance a bust or is he, you know, a Hall of Fame worthy quarterback after year three. But the expectations are way too high. And Lance probably doesn't even see these things. He's like, whatever, I can care less. We saw how he answered questions towards the media. He was like, to be fair, it doesn't change how I feel about you, that being the media, but I don't care what you think of me. Like, your words mean nothing to me. You are not, like, I don't have to impress you. I don't have to, you know, make a, a good first impression with you. All I have to do is go out there, show Kyle Shanahan and this team that I can be the quarterback number one, and then go out there week by week, practice by practice, and prove it. And that will come with success and failure, but hopefully more success than failure. And like that was the best answer possible for Lance to say. And so with that, the big plays will come. Whether it's Trent Sherfield against the Chiefs in week one of preseason, Debo Samuel late in the year in a must-win game against the Texans, the big plays will come. And that's the nature of having a quarterback with Trey Lance's physical ability. He has the big arm, he's got the cannon, he's got the bazooka. We know that. The big plays will come, but the one thing that I want to see from Trey Lance, and there were there were hints of it, there were signs of it that maybe he was a little rattled early in his career preseason. The Cardinals game, you know, first, the first half against the Texans, still getting his feet wet. He had very to little, no experience in the NFL, had a little bit of experience in college, had a whole year off. There were reasons why maybe there was some tepidness on the side of Trey Lance. But one of the big conversations towards Garoppolo, one of the bigger complaints was, you know, two to three to four times a game, he's making those dumb throws, making those idiotic throws that may cost us a game, may give, you know, whether it's a pick or it's right to a defender and they drop it. Like, Jimmy Garoppolo is known for one of those throws a game, at least one of those throws. And I agree with that. But one of the other things I would defend Garoppolo with was the efficiency. One of the bigger complaints I had with Lance, and I I wouldn't even call it a complaint, but it was something that caught my eye, and it's been, you know, people have been talking about it in the community, but Lance wasn't accurate in camp, he wasn't accurate in preseason, and there were efficiency issues where he may be 0 for 3 on one drive, but the next drive he's 5 for 5 with a touchdown. And you're like, well, I'll take that, but... When Garoppolo and Lance are going and battling it out in camp, Garoppolo won for a reason. He was efficient. In training camp, in preseason, he was efficient. Go watch the preseason again last year. Like, Lance looked like he was a rookie. Balls were sailing high, balls were sailing low. Again, there were those nice zip throws to Ayuk on the sideline, the big plays across the middle to Travis Benjamin against the Chargers, in the big throw to, uh, to Sherfield against the Chiefs, there were those flashes. But the consistency, you know, leaned towards Garoppolo. And if you're going to be an NFL starting quarterback, you have to be consistent. You have to be the same player, play-by-play, drive-by-drive, throw-by-throw. And I do think Lance has that in him. 
This is by no means an indication of what I think he will be, but it's what he was last year, where there was like, well, you know, from throw to throw, I don't know what you're going to get. And if we were complaining about that towards Garoppolo, that same maybe concern was there for Lance as well. But because Garoppolo was much better in the efficiency tally, the efficiency, you know, scoreboard, you leaned where he should be the starter. Well, if Lance can become more consistent, more efficient, and then also have those big plays, well, then it's full send. Like, he's already the starting quarterback. But to become the next level guy, you have to be efficient, consistent, and also hit those big plays. Like, you don't have to complete 70% of your passes. Give me 65. Give me 64. And I'll be happy. 64% comp percentage. You know, you average two touchdowns a game. We're living happy. Those are great building blocks for Trey Lance. And, again, Trey Lance last year seemed like he was a little worried or scared. to, And, and maybe scared isn't the right word to use. But it seemed like he was looking for the big play more often. Because maybe the game was too fast for him initially. Chiefs game, Chargers game, Raiders game, even that Cardinals game. It looked like the game was a little too fast for him. And he was looking for that big play to settle him down. And he can never connect with it. And what I don't want Lance to do is feel like he has to play hero ball. Because when you're young and you have the physical talent that Lance has, sometimes you can lean on that physical talent a little too much instead of staying within the offense. And I do think Kyle Shanahan is the perfect head coach for Lance to keep him within his own, right? To say, like, look, run the offense. You're not the star here. You can be a star, but I'm the guy who runs the show, right? And so I do think that I want Lance to not be afraid to take the gimme throw. If Debo Samuel isn't open, you know, 40 yards down the field, don't be afraid to hit Kittle on the the six-yard comeback. Like, don't be afraid to take the gimme throw. You have guys on this team, and this comes with trust and chemistry, you have guys on this team that can get you 15 yards of yak even on a six-yard comeback. And so I want Lance, and this will come with playing more, being more comfortable in the offense, again, that chemistry that trust with his weapons around him, but don't be afraid to make that easy throw. Jimmy was great with the gimme throws. Maybe took him too much, in some people's opinion. Well, with Lance, you're going to hit the home runs here or there, but sometimes you have to take what the defense gives you, and I do think he can do that a little more going into his first year as a starting quarterback. The other thing is, which with Trey Lance last year it was, the ball is either coming 100 miles an hour at you, it's either too high, or it's on the ground. And somewhere in between are these amazing, beautiful touch throws, you know, the home run play, right? This comes into consistency again. I don't want to see a ball on the ground, skipping on the ground, unless you're being hit by a defender. Like, there are times kills open in the flat, and the ball escapes four yards in front of him. Like, again, that's stuff that folks would complain about with Garoppolo. That same, like, you have to keep that same energy here. I don't want to see that. A ball can sail high here or there, but those usually turn into picks. And that could have very well been the mechanics. That could have been being amped up for his first start, for, you know, his, for his first couple of throws in the NFL. That stuff happens. 
But once you get calmed down, become that veteran guy year two, you know, get settled in, those things have to go away. That's what separates, you know, the good from the bad and the bad from the great, right? And so with all that being said, all the talk of conversation of what I liked from Lance last year, what I expect from Lance this year, I'm going to give you an exact stat line that I expect from Trey Lance this year. I looked at every quarterback last year, and I just took the average. I said, if Trey Lance can be an average quarterback, a little better than Jimmy here, a little worse than Jimmy here, he'll be just fine. This is a great building block to become the next big thing. So Trey Lance, my statistical expectations for Trey Lance are around 3,800 passing yards, around there. I'm not going to give you, you know, 3,845, bro. I'm not doing that. That's too hard to predict. (laughs) Too hard to predict. So around 3,800 passing yards, 30 passing touchdowns. That's over to a game. I think one game he may have one, one game he may have four. It just depends on what that opponent is like that day. I also think he'll have four rushing touchdowns. This is probably the stat I'm a little iffy about. He could have eight, for all I know. But I think four is the safe route where Shanahan's not going to be afraid to run him. But I do think after what he saw in Arizona last year where he got banged up early, the finger obviously was an issue, and you you don't want to run that quarterback into the ground. I do think we might see runs in the red zone. But I also think Shanahan might, you know, be a little timid and say, give it to, you know, give it to Debo, give it to Juszczyk, give it to Mitchell, Sermon, Wilson, whoever makes this roster in that running back room by committee. I also think that Lance is still going to struggle with comp percentage. The accuracy is still going to be an issue. He's not going to complete, you know, 68% of his throws. I think he'll be around that Lamar Jackson area where it's like, 60 to 64 percent I put him in the middle and cut the difference 62 percent comp percentage that to me is a safe number for Lance hit the gimme throws get that number up hit the home run throws when asked of you I'm very I'm making it very simplistic but in reality the Shanahan offense uh, while very complex there is going to be those gimme throws to help those stats get up I want Lance to take those gimme throws The other side of it is the interceptions. Trey Lance didn't throw a single interception in his one year starting at North Dakota State. Phenomenal. Great stuff. Didn't look turnover prone. And that being said, last year in a short, you know, 10 quarters of play outside of the preseason, I do believe he will throw 10 to 15 interceptions. I think it'll be on the higher side of that. I said 14. I think at sometimes he will get trigger happy. He will look like a rookie. And he's going to take the home run play here or there when he's not supposed to. You know, he will think that I can gun that throw in there when really there isn't enough space. And there's risk and there's reward. And I do think the risk sometimes will outweigh the reward. And he will get picked off a few more times this year than he did at NDSU 14 times. To be exact, we saw it last year, right? Hit a handful of drop picks in preseason versus Texans versus the Cardinals. I do think that stuff will still exist, but it's about towards the end of the year, towards the middle of the season, limiting what those throws look like and starting to fine tune yourself as a quarterback. 
So 3,800 yards, 30 passing touchdowns, four rushing touchdowns, 34 total touchdowns for Trey Lance this season, 62% comp percentage, and 14 interceptions. The quarterback room this year is going to be fun. Trey Lance, no Garoppolo. It's going to be intriguing to watch day in, day out. But Niners training camp starts technically tomorrow. Veterans report tomorrow, Tuesday, July 27th. Or 26th, excuse me. But when you look at it, there's so, like, the amount of storylines in training camp or the quarterback, this guy, that guy, there's like 75 storylines, right? Everyone's out there trying to prove their worth, whether it's Debo Samuel trying to get a, you know, a, a new contract or it's Bosa winning a new contract or it's who's playing the interior offensive line. Let's look at the biggest training camp position battles and even talk about my sleepers this year and who I think could even get traded. The Niners like to trade in training camp. That sounds weird, but they love trading those like fifth linebackers for a fourth round pick or a sixth round pick later and going into the draft with like 11 picks and then saying, let's retool the roster. So that being said, my number one and most important training camp battle, positional battle, is that of the offensive line. Who's playing left guard? Who's playing center? Who's playing right guard? And I think if you ask me to pencil in people, I think it would be Trent Williams playing left tackle, Aaron Banks playing left guard, Jake Brendel playing center, and Daniel Brunskill playing right guard with with McGlinchey playing right tackle. But one of my sleepers is Spencer Burford. Now, he may lack the footwork currently. There may be an issue of weight, but... If you watch him play the left side of the offensive line last year in college, there was some explosiveness that I think might lend him to starting later on in the year, but I think that groundwork starts now in training camp. I think at at a certain point this year, the Niners may be prone, depending on what Brendel and Banks do. I could easily see the offensive line looking like Williams, Banks, Brunskill playing center, Burford playing right guard, and McGlinchey playing right tackle. Now, with McGlinchey's injury history, or at least the quadricep injury last year, they may say, we want to give some consistency to kind of help him on the interior with Brunskill next to him, and they'll give a little bit at the center position. But it doesn't seem like the center position is something that they're necessarily too concerned about, and I do think they have confidence in Jake Brendel, but injuries happen, things happen. If Spencer Burford is showing himself to be ready for the right guard or left guard position, I see no reason why the Niners won't go there. We saw Jalen Moore and Tom Compton play last year. Like they they will figure out, and they will they're not afraid to try out people on the offensive line even during the season if things are going awry. Uh, I think Nick Zakelge will be or Zach Zakelge, excuse me. I think he'll be more you know, kind of that red shirt guy where I could easily see him, you know, being on the practice squad or, you know, being lower on the depth chart. Jalen Moore to me will be that swing tackle guy on the right side. And Justin Skule and McKivitz will kind of share left tackle duties during training camp to figure out, you know, who's going to be that guy. But I could easily see Brunskill being the starting center this year. But that all depends on what Brendel does in training camp 
and how they feel about McGlinchey going forward, but they could also feel that Spencer Burford, that because he's a big body, could aid in McGlinchey uh, with maybe some tougher uh, defensive line talent. The other thing is cornerbacks. Who's playing nickel? Who is the nickel cornerback for this team? Is it Emmanuel Mosley? Is it Dante Johnson? Is it Darquez Denard? Is it Samuel Womack? Who's replacing K1 Williams? The answer is, we don't know. And if it was me, if you're, let's say hypothetically here, we're all healthy. Benign are all healthy. Verrett's healthy. Mosley, Ward, Thomas are all healthy. I think there's going to be a ton of rotation on the outside. I don't see much of that on the interior. I think guys like Darquez Denard will get the first team snaps initially, but I do think Mosley and Womack will prove themselves. Womack being the rookie this year out of Toledo, but I do think Womack will prove himself to be a, a valuable nickel cornerback this year then build upon that going into the future. Um, so I could easily see them going the veteran route early. They'll know the defense better, but Womack has a knack for interceptions and being towards the ball. And if you're a team like San Francisco who wants to make your young quarterback feel more comfortable, the best way to do that is get him the ball back. I think someone like Womack may be the best option going forward, unless they are you know, certain it's Ward and Thomas slash Verrett on the outside and Mosley on the inside. But Mosley was one of the best cornerbacks last year on the outside in coverage. I don't know how much you want to change that. I think potentially their best set with three cornerbacks on the field is Ward on one side, Mosley on the other, and a combination of Womack and Darquez Denard, at least to start the season while you work in Thomas rotationally and Verrett gets healthy. To me, that's the best way to go about things. We'll obviously see who shows and who shines out in training camp. For all we know, Dante Johnson starting, you know, starting at nickel <laughs> come week one because he's Dante Johnson and can never go away. The other side of the secondary, the other level of the secondary, excuse me, is safety. Who is playing strong safety? Is it going to be the veteran, George Odom? Is it going to be Talanoa Hufunga, who a lot of people believe in? Or will we see Jimmy Ward kind of play both? Will we see a rotation of Tavarius Moore, Dante Johnson, Leon O'Neal, Hufunga, Odom? To me, the safest bet is Ward playing free safety, Hufanga and Odom kind of playing a combination, and the Niners playing nickel. Like, that's that seems like that's the safest way to go about things. That being said, Hufanga struggled mightily in coverage last year. And I get it, year two might be more comfortable. I'm just more prone to give guys, the veteran guys, the edge simply because Shanahan seems to do that already. It's very rare that Shanahan will start a rookie corner, uh, a, a rookie player unless they're like Nick Bosa. Like he wasn't very he he wasn't starting Ayuk. He was very, you know, he was he was very lenient with Debo. Uh, even Kittle wasn't even getting first team reps initially because Garrett Selleck was there. Like <laughs> Shanahan is very much rookies pay your dues, and once you prove to me you're ready, go out there and play. I'm really ever going to give you first-team reps unless you're ready. Now, year two, Demeco Ryans, one of the better defensive coordinators in the NFL. I could even say top three already. 
I think he trusts Hufanga, and I do think your best bet is that guys like Tavarius Moore, he's back, he's healthy, and Jimmy Ward play free safety. I do think at times we could easily see Moore playing free safety and Ward, that being Jimmy, playing strong safety in certain sets, but the safest bet is Ward playing free safety and Ufanga and Odom, maybe a little combination of Tarverius Moore playing strong safety, depending on you know the situation of the game. The offensive side of the ball, running backs. Quarterbacks already settled, routine receivers already settled, Debo, Ayuk, Gray, Jennings, McLeod. The sixth receiver rarely ever plays. You, the the Tay Martin hype is out of control right now. You know, maybe it's Keyshawn Johnson. It just depends on what San Francisco values. Do they want another special teams guy, Keyshawn Johnson? Are they looking for a burner receiver like Malik Turner? Do they want the big guy, the jump ball guy, and Tay Martin? Whole other conversation. To me, it's really not that important who's the sixth receiver on a team unless injuries happen, and then at that point, we can get into that. But running backs, can Trey Sermon finally find his footing? Like, and not just on the field. Like, can he actually figure things out mentally? Can he actually, you know, work within the offense? I am a strong believer that Trey Sermon will work wonders in the read option. That's where he was most comfortable at Ohio State. I think with Trey Lance, they see him that way. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch made it very clear many of their draft picks in 2020, 2021, excuse me, were for 2022. I think Trey Sermon is one of those guys. I do not believe he would have played as much had the running back room been entirely healthy last year. Obviously, he was part of the injuries. They did want to work him in somewhat, but I do think Trey Sermon will thrive with Trey Lance in the read option. I also think that one of the questions going into camp should be, can Tyrion Davis-Price push Jeff Wilson Jr. off the roster? Very similar players. You're investing a third-round pick into a guy. Jeff Wilson Jr.'s battled injuries, albeit valuable to the offense when he's healthy. I could easily see TDP pushing Jeff Wilson Jr. to being traded or cut this offseason or during training camp, excuse me. But I also think one of the biggest surprises that many people aren't talking about is undrafted free agent Jordan Mason. He can fly. He's one of the fastest guys on this team. He's got power. And what does Shanahan like more than anything? Healthy running backs and guys that aren't unafraid to lower their shoulder and gain extra yards. That's why he picked TDP. That's why he has you know, that's why Mitchell took a you know a big chunk of the you know first team reps last year and kind of ascended to the running back one spot on the roster. And that's why, to me, Jordan Mason is one of the biggest sleepers on this team or for this team in training camp. Now, let's move back to defense for our final training camp positional battle, that being linebacker. Who is linebacker number two? Who is the Will linebacker next to Fred Warner? Is it Dre Greenlaw or is it Al Shire? We don't know. We really don't know. I personally believe it'll still be Dre Greenlaw. They have great chemistry. Greenlaw may make the dumb mistake. He may have the injury like he had last year. That's why I think Al Shire is going to kind of be that. Where Al Shire can play the Mike and the Will. 
and I think they want to keep him as the number three guy in case one of the other guys goes down. Again, it's all a rotation, but I do think starting at linebacker, it's going to be Greenlaw and Warner without Shire mixed in there. We'll also see guys like Oren Burks and Demetrius Flanagan Falls. But with that said, and guys like Flanagan Falls potentially being on the outside looking in because of guys being brought in like Oren Burks on the special teams unit, let's look at some certain players to end the show today that who could be traded. You know, last year, Jonas Griffin was traded to the Broncos. He played really well in camp. I thought he might make the roster. Obviously not the case. But they were they got like a fifth or sixth round pick for him last year in training camp. Obviously, the more picks you get in the draft, you have maneuverability. It just adds to what your team can do and makes them more dangerous just outside of on the field, which you can add during the draft. So outside of Garoppolo, who will get moved, <laughs> I think players like Jeff Wilson Jr. could get traded depending on the health of that running back room and who actually shows up. If you're looking at Mitchell, TDP, Sermon, Hasty, and Mason. That's already five guys. Like, somebody has to get cut. And with Hasty, who could also get cut, but Hasty being the primary pass catching back last year, he's not cemented in the role, but he played meaningful minutes last year. And I'm not sure if that was out of necessity or because Shanahan valued him as the pass catching back because he separated himself amongst the other groupings. So I think Jeff Olson Jr. could be on the outside looking in depending on what the other five guys do on the roster. I think Ross Dwelly could get cut. You have Jordan Matthews there, the receiver slash tight end hybrid who has chemistry with Trey Lance, worked out with him last year in the offseason and during this team too, or second string and third string reps. You had Charlie Warner, you had Tyler Croft, and you have George Kittle. Ross Dwelly lost his number two tight end job last year, and I could easily easily see him sliding down the depth chart further with the crowded tight end room currently in San Francisco. You can pick any of the linebackers. Curtis Robinson, Saguna Luby, Marcelino Ball, Jeremiah Gremmel, Demetrius Flanagan Foles. Any of those guys can get moved. If somebody's going to get moved, my money would be on Flanagan Foles. I don't want him to get moved. They will carry four linebackers. But that being said... I just think with Oren Burks and Flanagan Foles there, I don't know. Like, someone can't, both of them can't play special teams. And they might view this as Burks saves Foles on special teams and Foles can be a linebacker ascending. I don't know what the case is. But it just seems like Foles may have gotten replaced last year or in the offseason with Burks. So I'm not, like, that is something to look at. But I also think the two biggest names that might get moved is Jordan Willis and Kevin Gibbons. Now, the Niners this offseason added, you know, Charles Menehue last year, then Kerry Hyder, then Tomeko Ture, or Kameko Ture, excuse me. They brought back Armstead's already there, Bosa's already there. You have guys like Ebukam's already there. Hassan, uh, uh, oh my God. Hassan Ridgeway was brought in. Like, there's not a lot of room to maneuver here. You know, Maurice Hurst is back. I'm just not entirely sure, you know, that, again, someone's going to get moved. My money would be on Givens, either getting cut or traded for like a seventh round pick somewhere. He has value. There's just too much flexibility on the defensive line to say, 
we have to keep 12 guys. They'll keep eight. Bosa, Armstead, Amenehu, Ebukam, Hurst, Ridgeway. And then you're like, well, who else? Ture and Hyder. That's eight right there. And many of those guys can play the inside and the outside. Again, <laughs> it gets tricky here because, you know, one guy goes down, but that's why this is pre-training camp positional value predictions of who could possibly be on the outside looking in it's great to be back it was a long podcast today it's a wonderful day in northern california i cannot wait for training camp to begin before we go and before we send you on your way to getting excited and putting on your niner gear i want to remind you 49ers access 49 ers access is the promo code for SeatGeek, save $20. Also, our new sponsor, Fanatics. Yes, Fanatics. You know them. They are the best place to find your San Francisco 49ers apparel. You have partnered with them. There will be a link in the podcast description. You can save some money, and you can support the podcast while you're at it. You can also follow us on social media, at 49ers.access is the Instagram, at 49ers underscore access is the Twitter Stay up to date with your 49ers news on both those platforms. And also, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends about the 49er Access podcast. Season 3 is back and we're ready to roll. Might go to training camp, might have some big news coming up for you on that front. And until next time, my name is Sterling Bennett. This has been the 49er Access podcast and stay faithful.